Did you know that some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, -side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm Nicole Lappin, the only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. It's time for some money rehab. Okay, money rehabbers, what do a magician and Sam Bingman Freed have in common? They can both make your money disappear. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not gonna quit my day job, but today I'm talking to a guy who did quit his day job to pursue magic. Not only can Oz Perlman, AKA the Wall Street Mentalist, make your money disappear, but he can also do much cooler tricks like turning ones into 100s. I would love to know that trick, please and thank you. Today I talked to him about how he left his comfy finance job to take a bet on himself and what steps he would recommend anyone else take before making the same leap themselves. And for the grand finale, Oz did a trick for me over Zoom that blew my mind. I was dying dead deceased. It was, it was fucking crazy. I'm also going to post this video on our Instagram at Money News, so if you don't already follow us to make sure you can see it first. Not overselling this, I promise. Oz Perlman, welcome to Money Rehab. Thanks for having me on, Nicole. So excited to talk with you. You are a mentalist, but you began your career at Merrill Lynch. That's right. I did. They call me the Wall Street mentalist now. So uh, which path your life takes you in, I never would have predicted fascinating. Two of my favorite things smushed together. Obviously, being a mentalist is so, so fascinating. And I want to get there and even put you to the test. But we're on money rehab, of course. And because I'm a nerd, I want to hear about your Merrill Lynch time first. So what yeah. were you doing there? What drew you to Wall Street? So I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. I think like a lot of people, at, you know, late teens, 20s, I had no clue. I started in computer engineering which I didn't like at all. The first time I had to write a like 3000 line program, I go, this is not for me, but I had a very good mathematical mind. Even when I was a kid, I would tabulate when I was like eight years old, how much the pizza would cost with the tax, 8%. <laughs> My parents like, how do you know this before it would ring up? So I just love doing that stuff. I switched to electrical engineering. I got an internship with Merrill Lynch and then lo and behold, it turned into being a, you know, an associate, kind of an analyst there initially. I worked in technology, so I kind of was a project manager, if you will, that helped the people doing finance, the investment bankers. So I was mm. not really directly in finance, but I was, you know, call it lateral. I started learning more and more about the business because I was helping them manage some of their projects and buying servers. And then you left Merrill, right? A big institution to take a big bet on yourself. Yeah. Uh, being a mentalist was kind of your side hustle, and then you turned it into your main hustle. Can you explain or paint the picture of that time and how you made that decision to go out on your own? I kind of got to that point where I was so busy. Every weekend I was working. After work, I would go work at restaurants, and I was the magician at the restaurants. So I had a real mind for sales and the fact that I knew who my target market was and I marketed to them. I wasn't going to go do stuff at like a Chuck E. Cheese because I didn't want to do shows for kids. I want to do shows for adults. 
and I was doing this on the side. And I think I came to a point where I didn't know that I could do this for a living, but I just was so busy. And I had an actual aha moment with the CFO of my company where he didn't know I was hired internally. I was at a party. I did something for Merrill Lynch and I did a trick speaking of money rehab, where I take five $1 bills, I snap my fingers, they turn to 500s. And this guy, his name is James Gorman. He's the CEO of Morgan Stanley. Yeah. Says to me, he goes, and he's Australian. He goes, he goes, we got to have you working here, mate. And everyone's laughing. (laughs) And I go, I do work here. And he thought it was a joke. He thought I was joking. And I go, no, man, I work in your global technology services department. (laughs) And he goes, and he literally looks me in the eye. And you know, you have those moments in life where I can see it. He looks me in and he goes, what are you doing working here? And it's like, you know, the wow. CEO of the company, my boss's 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 boss goes, what are you doing working here? Yeah. And I think just in my mind, a switch flipped and I go, what am I doing working here? I guess your interest in magic, in misdirection, I suppose, predates your interest in Wall Street, right? I was reading yes. that you were performing at kids' birthday parties when you were a teenager. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing this since I was a teenager. When I was 13, I got into it. I saw a magician. I was blown away. And then I got every book. I read it cover to cover. And I was like, not even 100%, 150% into it. And then how did the mentalist stuff happen? So mentalism is kind of like a specialty, right? It's a subset within magic. So magic is all about fooling your eyes. Mentalism, while fooling is a part of it, is kind of taking you on a journey through your mind because there's no props. You don't need a deck of cards. Mm. What you need is to know how people behave. It's almost like behavioral economics. When you see somebody who's really sharp, they know the way the market moves because they know that people, individuals act rationally. Groups act irrationally. So I know how to predict people's behaviors in certain instances. I know how to influence them. And I can kind of take you on a journey of showing that I know how you think. And I can kind of predict what you'll do before you even do it in a lot of instances. Ooh, I can't wait to experience that myself. But before we get to that, so did you think about your experience in building your brand as you were leaving Merrill or did you kind of make it up as you went along? Is there anything you would wished you known then when you first took the leap? Oh my God, so many things. So at the time when I went for this and I said, I'm going for it, there's no playbook to be a mentalist. Like there's no book that says, here's how you become a star that I've ever found. You got to make it up as you go along, like you said. So I think one of the key things in life is find the people who have done what you want to do. How did they get there? And I think that unless you ask them, you'll never know. I reached out to a lot of magicians I saw on TV. I would do good old fashioned email or call someone on the phone or try to find somebody who knows them and work your network. The next thing I started doing early on is you don't want those pie in the sky goals of, oh, well, I want to. I want to be on TV. That's a ridiculous goal. Say, I want to be on this show within the next nine to 12 months. How do I do that? How do I do that? And start looking at patterns and say, well, who books the show? A TV producer. How do I get in touch with them? Or even better, how do I have them get vouched for by somebody who knows them well? If somebody knows you really well, is blown away, and you find out, oh my God, I know the producer of Ellen, put me in touch. Now you've got a qualified lead. Honestly, most of my job was not entertainment, it was sales and marketing. And I realized that very early on, my goal really wasn't to be the best entertainer, it was to be very successful. And those are different. Obviously, if you have a great show, that's terrific, but there's a lot of people with great shows you've never heard of because they didn't market it effectively, they didn't promote their brand effectively, they did a lot of things, I don't wanna say wrong, 
but they didn't realize what the laser focus was to achieve their goals. And you have to write those goals down. People don't do that, I find. I did. And how did you figure out the best way to sell yourself, so to speak? So that's a great question in two regards, which is not how do you sell yourself, but what is yourself? So what was my product? And it took me years to figure that out, honestly. But now what I really sell to companies is memorable experiences and a value that goes beyond entertainment. Like I'll give you a great example. I did a show recently, a pharmaceutical company. Let's say you have an incoming CEO, this pharmaceutical company. This CEO was there for three months. They had a merger, the culture's a little bit shaky. Some people got let go. You know, this is a meeting where people are kind of on edge. And this new CEO, people are more scared of than like this person. So what I did was I brought them up. I did a fun trick with them, made them look like a star, like I humanized them. They showed all of a sudden that they took their armor off and everyone loved it. And they loved it too, because at the end of that meeting, everyone came up to them and go, oh my God, how did he do that with you? And did you know, were you in a, and suddenly people that never would have spoken to this person, this new CEO went up and they had a conversation piece and opened up. And I got an email from that person the next day being like, you have no idea what that value was. I'm providing a value that goes beyond entertainment. That's what I strive to do. And learning my target market was at a certain point, I'm relating to corporate audiences. I'm not really gonna perform in casinos as often or tour like a music act. I'm a corporate entertainer. That's my background, kind of that's my unique selling proposition. So how would you explain that to potential clients, brands? Would you work with agencies? Would you do all of the above? So for me, my number one marketing tool, and I think you have to figure this out in whatever your industry is, you gotta know where are people discovering you? And is that by word of mouth? Is that on Instagram ads? Is that just by finding your social? Like learning where people are discovering you is huge. For me, it's mostly word of mouth. People see me, they love what I did. They want me to do that at their XYZ event that's similar. Mm -hmm. Some people see me on TV. And then my biggest tool is my promo video. It's three minutes, which is kind of long. I even have one that's one minute that if you watch it, even if it's muted, you get certain things that hit you. Like I wanna get inside your brain the same way a really good advertising agency does and realize what are you thinking while you're watching it? Am I creating credibility? Are you seeing people you recognize? I'm always dressed in a suit and tie. That's what I perform in in most instances. Now, a lot of entertainers are more rock and roll. A lot of people that do what I do are not gonna fit that mold and kind of be square, but I made that decision about eight years ago because I knew the people that are booking me and what they're looking for. So it's funny, I'm creating the brand based on my target market mm. and knowing this from talking to bookers. Find these people that you work with and then ask them for candid advice. Be like, hey, what have you liked with people you've booked in the past? What have you not liked? And the people that are your target consumer, if they can give you that knowledge or if you can take them out to lunch or you know, buy them a gift basket, find creative ways. People do well with flattery and bribery, you know, bribery. Totally. But there is nothing like sending somebody a great gift basket and then feeling yes. like, wow, you really went the extra mile. Handwritten notes. I used to send people a photo as a postcard for 10 years. At every gig I would do, I would take a photo with the birthday boy, the birthday girl. I did private parties and I would always send the parents a picture of me and their kid smiling and laughing with me doing something magical. They get that card thanking them telling them how great the party was, pointing out a few nice details about their child, which everyone loves to hear. It's all about benefits to your clients. It's not about me. It's about showing you that like, I'm going the extra mile for you to make this a unique, memorable experience.
Totally. I mean, I probably built my career on handwritten notes and really thoughtful, random gifts that I would send people like not extravagant, but something that they had either spoken about or we had spoken about. I've sent Argyle socks. I've sent cat poo coffee. I've sent a lot of weird stuff, <laughs> but it's it's paid dividends. Right. I like how the listeners right now look cat poo coffee, cat poo coffee, Argyle socks. Check. Nicole, we got this. We're taking our business to the next level, baby. That's all you need. Hold on to your wallets. Money Rehab will be right back. Money rehabbers, you have money hidden in your house. Yeah, just hiding there in plain sight. Okay, so I don't mean you have gold bars hidden somewhere in walls, treasure map style, but you do have a money-making opportunity that you're just leaving on the table if you're not hosting on Airbnb. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. By hosting your space, you are monetizing what you already own. It doesn't get easier than that. For me, hosting on Airbnb has always been a no-brainer. When I first signed up, I remember thinking to myself, self, you pay a lot of money for your house. It is time that house returned the favor. And to get real with you for a sec, I felt so much guilt before treating myself on vacation because traveling can be so expensive. But since hosting on Airbnb, I feel zero stress for treating myself to a much needed vacation because having Airbnb guests stay at my house when I'm traveling helps offset the cost of my travel. So it's such a win-win. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you ever get FOMO, fear of missing out? Well, do you ever get FOMO Tupita, fear of missing out on the perfect hire? If so, I have the antidote. It's LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites, and that adds up to a serious squad of awesome candidates. LinkedIn has over a billion professionals on the platform, and these candidates are super qualified. So much so that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. I work with LinkedIn Jobs for all of my dream team needs, so they're hooking up money rehabbers at linkedin.com slash MNN. Go there and you can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash MNN, as in Money News Network, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now for some more money rehab. So I'm curious, I know part of the strategy behind mind reading tricks is actually planting somewhat subconscious, unconscious, you tell me, idea into people's minds. Really? So what can people listening do to utilize some of those strategies when they're at work, like asking their boss for a raise, getting people to do things for you? It's kind of like breadcrumbs. It's creating that path of breadcrumbs that leads you to the prize. So I think making a case for you to get a raise is over delivering, constantly exceeding expectations. And I think you've got to be your own best cheerleader. You want to do it in a way that's not grandiose, but showing where you've delivered time and time again, and not just letting that go. And I think that's really important. I don't want to say you build a case, but you show how time and again, you're willing to take on responsibility. When I get calls for TV shows and somebody goes, can you do this? I always say yes. I might have no idea. I might hang up the phone, cold sweats, you know, hyperventilating <laughs> into a bag. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do? But I'm going to say yes. And then I'm going to figure out how to do it. 
people that rise to the challenge, you always see the cream rise to the top. Who makes that senior leadership position? It's usually the person who's the first at the meeting to go, I got that boss. And then not only do they hit it, they hit it out of the park. So you want to be that person who kind of shines in your field. Mm -hmm. What can I do that differentiates me? And if I can't differentiate, what in my market makes me the best? And define those for yourself. Don't hope other people define them for you. Yeah, but like, how do you leave breadcrumbs for your boss if you want to raise? You can't just be like, <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Gorman, right? like, it'd be awesome if I could add a zero to my paycheck. Well, I think, first off, timing is everything in life. So read the tea leaves as to when the good timing is. You can catch people at certain moments. And I've had moments in life that are, you know, call it luck call it timing or a healthy mix of both. But when someone's in a great mood, that's the time to ask for something. So try to start noticing people's patterns. Is it right after a holiday or vacation, they come back all loose and relaxed and suddenly you've got a captive audience versus if they're super stressed. When I used to get gigs at restaurants, who wants this nerdy dude who's 14, I was like four foot nothing, walking up to the table, I knew it was a heavy lift. What I would do, I learned early on, go when they're not busy. So between shifts, between 2.30 and 4, there's nobody in the restaurant. Everyone's there hanging out. And now don't go in asking for something. If you're a salesman, people are on guard. If you're a customer, they treat you well. So when I go up, I go up to like the restaurant, I get something like a lemonade, and then I'd show a trick to my waiter or waitress because they have to serve you. And they're like blown away, they go, oh my God. And they're gonna naturally go up and get somebody else. Can I bring my friend? I go, yeah, bring them over. And I would get five or six waiters, waitresses, bartenders around me. And I go, is the manager here? And they go, yeah, bring them over. Now you're giving them a value. Now I don't leave without getting a job. And what I would do, again, this is not apropos to you getting a raise in corporate, but I wanna see the parallel. I now give them a no-lose proposition. I go, hey, look at all the people you get in here at night, right? Why don't I do this the same way you were impressed? Why don't I come here on a slow night for you like a Tuesday? Don't pay me a penny, no money. It's very hard to say no when someone's offering something for free. I go, when every single person leaves that night, they're gonna tell you they had the best time, they're gonna come back again next week with friends. And now instead of getting tips, I would tell every table, don't give me a tip. When you leave, tell the manager and the hostess that you had the best time ever and how much you wanna come back. And they go, of course we will. And I would land nine out of 10 of those jobs when I would do that. So make a case that's undeniable. Show proof that you've delivered and over-delivered, right? Take on some big swings and big responsibilities. And like I said, know the right time to approach it and always ask for more than you want because you can always go down when you can negotiate. You never go up. So let's say you want a 5% raise, you start at a 15% raise. And they go, what, 15%? What about 10? You go, all right, I didn't want to do it, but I'll work with you and we'll do 12 and a half. Bam. You never start with what you want. Number one thing to listen to from this whole podcast, always start bigger and you can work your way down and never take it personally. Negotiations are about business. They're not hating you or rejecting you. It's business. It's not personal. Could not possibly agree more. Sorry for the long rant. I got, no. I got motivated and excited. We love it. It's such, such good advice. And it's such good sales methodology to not sell and to play this long game, right? Because if you wanted a paycheck right then and there, you probably wouldn't have gotten it. In fact, you were already in a deficit by buying a lemonade yeah, <laughs> so I'm, and getting there. I'm already in the hole. And then 
Talk about money when you're in the power position. So again, I would come back two weeks later and say, this is going great here, isn't it? And then we talk about money. I provided value to you. So it's only fair that we'll talk about how you can provide value back to me. Plus now you want me because now you have customers coming back and they're expecting me to be there. So in whatever business you're in, whether that's upwards to a boss or you run the business, is negotiate once you have the power position. Realize who needs who more and act accordingly. Smart. And I bet at that time you probably weren't rolling in it. So like you really did need the money. I don't know where you were going home to after like if you were struggling to pay bills or something like how do you keep that aside? Like how do you not show that you're really literally thirsty or hungry? Fully. So there's a real power to saying no. You know, they always say there's a term like it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. I quit my job 10 years before I was on America's Got Talent. And that show was like what blew up my career. That was the first big thing. Suddenly people knew who I was. And instead of me just doing restaurants in New York, I was doing shows all over the country. At that point, I had to turn down a lot of work from people that had hired me before. And suddenly you hit another rung, your rates go up. And a lot of these people can't afford to pay you Mm -hmm. and kind of take it personally. So you need to know when in your career you can say no, but know that sometimes even if you're thirsty, you don't want to come off thirsty. You do not want to say, I'll do this and devalue yourself, which is very easy when you're on the come up because you want that paycheck and you don't realize that if you negotiate down, whatever you negotiated down to is your rate for everything because now you're going to be negotiable with everyone. So if you decide you are going to negotiate down, take away something of value. If your price is $100 and you say, I can't do it, will you do 80 and you go, all right, I'll do it, then you have no integrity. So you need to take something away, say, well, I'll do this, but I'm not going to be able to do this thing on stage and I'm going to have to stay a half hour less. Now you've shown why you reduced your price. I think that's very important in any type of negotiation is find a reason for why you're willing to, I'm not going to say capitulate or give up, but why you're reducing your cost. But what if you need it? Like, what if you legit don't just want it, but need it? So then if you legit need it, you need to know when the timing is right. That's kind of like the same thing. Don't go to your boss when they're super stressed and be like, hey, man, can I have a raise or can I, what do you think? That's a terrible time to do it. So set yourself up for success and get a little piggy bank going. Get yourself comfortable enough that when you decide to make those types of big moves, whether it's leaving to go out on your own, try to get a raise, trying a new position where you might take like a haircut on price on like what you make. I know a lot of people that changed professions, made less money, but they traded their happiness. And trust me, we only live once. If you're working your butt off nonstop, making a lot of money, but it's not fulfilling you, you need to re-examine your life too. I know people that it's the opposite. They have all the money in the world, but no time to spend it. So like pick your poison. If you really need it, then take it. Honestly, take it build it up, try to be smart, try to sock little bits away. I don't know anybody, no matter how little they make, that can't put a few bucks away and the power of compounded interest. Give it time and it will grow. But don't try to get rich overnight. That's always a way to lose money. We end our episodes by asking listeners for one tip they can take straight to the bank. Can you give us, I know you have a lot, but just one piece of money advice or a skill from mentalism that listeners can use today to get ahead in their finances or career? Start saving now. Like the the one thing that blew me away when I was about 12 years old that somebody explained to me was time value of money, which is Mm -hmm. as money compounds, you look at these charts, 
And you're like, it's not that much in five years or 10 years. But the more you wait, the more a small amount, if you keep adding little bits to it, little bits to it becomes massive. And so you're waiting for that moment to win the lottery or I'm just gonna get a raise. No, find a way. All of us spend on crap that we don't need. Just decide that that one little thing, I'm gonna take 10 extra bucks, 20 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever that number is for you, automatically sock it away. Kind of like your diet, like eating a little bit healthier, save healthier. I started doing that when I was 13, when I had my first job in magic. And that allowed me, when you just said to me, how do you avoid being thirsty? The fact that I started saving when I was 13, putting it away and delaying gratification, instead of buying those Jordans or this other thing, I'm like, I'm gonna put this money away and I'm gonna slowly invest it. And that allowed me when I was 23 to quit my job on Wall Street 10 years later and now live the life that I would have dreamed of instead of having a boss, I'm my own boss because of the things I did early in life. Yeah, it's, you know, the idea of fuck you money, like you would associate with being a lot of money, but it's not necessarily. It's just like a fuck you freedom fund, whatever that is for you. Live within your means. Like there's people that I know that have nine figures and still feel like they're broke. And there's people that have a hundred grand and feel like they're on top of the world because it's all about how much you spend. Totally. It's not how much you make, but how much you keep that matters. You can't keep it when you die. So you got to enjoy life. You know, like you save, but you got to find those things that are going to give you value. So there's definitely things that either buying stuff or for me, I like buying experiences. I think experiences are the best thing in life. So may I have an experience now? Let's do it. Show me what you got. I'm assuming we have a financially savvy crowd. And while we're not going to get nuts and bolts like we're on CNBC, this is money news network, baby. I want you to imagine we have a dartboard. Okay, and you know how there's circles and there's like little triples and and you just start in your mind filling in like logos of all different companies on like the 15 and the 16 and the 12 and the 18. Can you kind of like imagine and hold up your hand and I like to make kind of like a texture when you think of stuff and you throw a dart and you hit like a random square like 14. Go for it and, and just imagine what stock was on there. Can you picture that for me right now just in your mind? Yes. Random. You just made this up right now in this moment. I need them to know. And you look at that one and you go, I can do better, right? That's what you listen to money rehab for. You're taking a real investment in your future. You throw another dart and you aim and you like hit the 19 and you hit another logo and and think of that company. Can you make up a company right now? Yeah. Do you want me to tell you? No, never. Mind reader. And finally, third try is the charm. You zeroed in on it. And this one, you know what's there. The bullseye. You throw it and you nail it. Show me that acting. Throw it and nail it. Bam. Okay. You can see that company logo. Am I right? You can see that one clear as day. This I can one, see it. You had focused. That. Okay. Try not to say anything, but here's what I do. I watch people's reactions. Don't say anything. Tech, media, energy, healthcare, pharma. I'm going through Dow Jones. I'm going through stuff. I think I got... Okay, think big company, small company, mid cap. I think it's go big or go home on money rehab. Can you be honest and tell them there is like literally no way that I could have known what stock you thought of first and hit because you didn't even know. Then you threw another dart and finally you land on this bullseye. There is no way anybody could know what just played out in your mind. No. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write this down. I'm going to have you cover your eyes. Close your eyes first. Close your eyes. See, I wrote down a word really big and everyone that's listening, turn around, open your eyes. Open my eyes now. Open your eyes, open your eyes, yup, yup, yup. And tell us, bam, you threw it, you nailed it, that bullseye. What was that stock? What was that company you were thinking of? Say it. 
Disney. Disney is what I wrote down, everybody. <laughs> How did you do that? What the fuck? How did you guess that? How did you guess that? What? That's what I do right there. That's your jam? I'm done. That's that's how we drop the mic. Am I right? That, that's we. That's I don't know how to top this. Whew. I need a moment. Money Rehab is a production of Money News Network. I'm your host Nicole Lappin. Money Rehab's executive producer is Morgan Lavoy. Our researcher is Emily Holmes. Do you need some money rehab? And let's be honest, we all do. So email us your money questions, moneyrehab at moneynewsnetwork.com to potentially have your questions answered on the show or even have a one-on-one intervention with me. And follow us on Instagram at moneynews and TikTok at moneynewsnetwork for exclusive video content. And lastly, thank you. No, seriously, thank you. Thank you for listening and for investing in yourself, which is the most important investment you can make.